Amid his grief over Jerusalem and the plight of God's people, the prophet Jeremiah held onto God's unfailing faithfulness when he penned his weepy lamentations. Good theology will do that. In 1923, Lamentations inspired Thomas Obadiah Chisholm, a young Methodist minister of ill health, to write a poem that later became the lyrics to one of the most beloved Christian hymns of the Christian faith called, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Much later, this hymn connected a young evangelist named Billy Graham with a soloist named George Beverly Shea, who was invited to sing Great is Thy Faithfulness on the Moody Radio Network. The fact that God's mercies are new every morning inspired Chisholm to write, All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. What's the difference between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. Find out next as we join Dr. Ron Jones for this Friday edition of Something Good. My name is Brian, always glad to have you with us. Jeremiah has been called the weeping prophet. He was grief-stricken over the spiritual decline of God's chosen nation, Israel, and he wrote about it in the book of Lamentations. His was a godly sorrow one that motivated him to encourage Israel to repent. Stay with us now as Ron continues the teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Or visit somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to any of Ron's messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, Lamentations, Great is Thy Faithfulness. If you go to Lamentations 3 and verse 21, Jeremiah recalls the faithfulness of God. He says this, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. I have hope. Are you still clinging to hope in the midst of uh, whatever is causing grief in your heart right now? Because that, that's, that's the message of Lamentations, not to leave us in despair, not to leave us in a place of no hope but to know that God's faithfulness will ultimately win the day. In 1923, um, Lamentations chapter three, verses 21 to 23 was the inspiration for Thomas Obadiah Chisholm, a young Methodist minister, when he wrote a poem, the lyrics to a poem that much later became um, the lyrics to one of the great Christian hymns of the faith, and you know the one I'm talking about, it's great is thy faithfulness. It comes from this, this chapter. We've sung the hymn, uh, we sang it this morning, we, we've sung it throughout our Christian experience, but understanding the context from which these great words come and understanding the lament and the melancholy and the despair in Jeremiah's heart, I think make the phrase great is thy faithfulness all, all the more impressive and and um, meaningful to us. Much later, this hymn actually connected a young evangelist named Billy Graham with a then unknown soloist named George Beverly Shea, who was invited to sing Great is Thy Faithfulness on the Moody Radio Network. 
And Billy Graham was a student at Wheaton College at the time and um, hadn't quite yet started his evangelistic ministry, but was trying to put the pieces together. He heard George Beverly Shea in his beautiful baritone voice singing Great is Thy Faithfulness on the Moody Radio Network, called him up and he said, will you join our evangelistic team? And the rest is history. And because George Beverly Shea, with his beautiful baritone voice, sang Great is Thy Faithfulness at the Billy Graham Crusades, this hymn of the faith became internationally popular. And we love it today, don't we? Uh, we, we love it because uh, uh, the, the, the lyrics are just so powerful, but you mix the lyrics with the beautiful baritone of George Beverly Shea, and, and, and you've got a winner here. The fact that God's mercies are new every morning, and I love that part of Lamentations. They're new every morning. This inspired Chisholm to write, great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Jeremiah woke up one morning and saw the devastation of the holy city of Jerusalem. But he said, greater than all my despair, I, I know that God's faithfulness and his mercies are new every morning. Last week we said God loves to do new things, and he does. He, he loves to pour out a fresh dose of mercy, even on his disobedient people, every morning. Well, what is God's faithfulness? Let's talk about that a little bit. In both the Old and New Testaments, the words translated faith and faithfulness are not only logically connected, but they're linguistically connected. In the Greek language, for instance, the word pistos means to be trusted, to be reliable. Uh, the closest English translations of the Hebrew terms are strengthen, support, to hold up. All of that to say that God is an eternally firm support for his people, or I would say it this way, God's faithfulness is his guarantee that he is true to himself and he is true to his word. Let me say that again. God's faithfulness is his guarantee that he is true to himself, he's true to his word, and I would even add he's true to his people. And Jeremiah knew this. He knew in the midst of the ruin and the rubble. Remember, he had been the prophet who had told the people this was coming. He wore the yoke around his neck to say, you will be under the yoke of the Babylonians for 70 years. But just know this, the Lord says, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Yes, like a father disciplines his children, God disciplined the children of Israel sent them to time out for 70 years with the Babylonians. But he didn't leave them without hope. And amidst all his grief over Jerusalem and the plight of God's people, Jeremiah held on to God's unfailing faithfulness. And by the way, good theology will do that. You think right thoughts about God as he has revealed himself in the pages of scripture and you will never be left in despair or hopeless, no matter where you are. When I meet somebody who has lost all hope or they've been grieving upon grieving upon grieving and just, they're stuck and they just can't get past it. 
I can almost guarantee you it's somebody who's not thinking right thoughts about God. Because when you meditate upon the faithfulness of God, even in the midst of your despair, you, you, you just can't stay in your, your state of hopelessness forever. That's what I love about good theology, good biblical theology. Not the kind of theology that says, well, my God is like this. No, that's called idolatry. You fashioning an understanding of who God is out of thin air somewhere, because that's the kind of God you want. My God would never punish unbelievers. My God would never uh, discipline his children. Read the Bible. Don't be afraid to read lamentations and enter into the pain and the despair, but don't stay there. It points us to a grander theme. It points us to thinking about God in a way he has revealed himself in scripture. And that always leads us to hope. That's the beauty of Lamentations. Now, let's think a little bit more about Jeremiah's tears. Like Jeremiah, God also grieves over this broken world. In fact, we've been looking for the Christ connection in every place on the ultimate road trip through the Bible. And for um, uh, careful students of the scripture, it's an obvious one here. I'll go back to Isaiah chapter 53. Remember that great messianic chapter? delivered by the first of the major prophets. Isaiah said that the Messiah, when he comes, will be a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. That's Jesus. He was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And Jeremiah, perhaps uh, more than any other prophet, in his temperament was both uh, strong and, and a man of sorrows at the same time. Uh, Jeremiah was... Uh, certainly acquainted with grief in the Old Testament, uh, just like Jesus was in the New Testament. The writer of Hebrews tells us that Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. Think about the Savior, maybe in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying throughout the night, loud cries and tears. Or maybe the writer of Hebrews is thinking about the time that Jesus famously wept over the city of Jerusalem Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37, Jesus cries out, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Feel the pain and the despair and the lament and the grief in Jesus' heart, the rejection that he felt from his own people. Jesus also wept at Lazarus' tomb. John chapter 11 and verse 35, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept, even though he knew he would raise Lazarus from the dead. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus is even the one who on the hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee, on the northern shore there, I've been there, we'll go there if you come to Israel with us, I'll take you to the place where he taught the people and said this, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Now he's not talking about just a general kind of mourning over loss. I, I believe in the Beatitudes there and the context there. He's talking about a mourning over your sin that has caused a chasm between you and God. Blessed, blessed are those who mourn, who, who have deep sorrow and lament over their broken relationship with God.
Dr. Ron Jones will be right back with the second half of today's message, Lamentations, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to find out more about the ministry, to ask our ministry team to pray for you, or to order selected resources from our online store. Here's something else for you. Today, Ron wants to bless you with a new resource that goes along with the series you're hearing now, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. He's written two beautifully designed editions that cover the Old and New Testament. And both volumes can be yours today for your gift of $50 or more. That's volumes one and two of Ron's book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. This is our way of saying thank you for your generous gift to support the ministry of Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Now let's rejoin Ron for the rest of today's message, Lamentations, Great is Thy Faithfulness. It reminds me of what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 10, where he speaks of a godly grief that produces repentance that leads to salvation. And Paul contrasts that with regret. The kind of regret that says, oh, I got caught doing something I shouldn't be doing. Paul says that doesn't lead to salvation. That's not the kind of sorrow and grief that leads to salvation. No, godly sorrow that leads to repentance produces salvation and leads to salvation. We could talk about King David, who is a type of Christ in the Old Testament. We established that as we went through the Davidic dynasty and our study of uh, some of the Old Testament historical books. David wrote many psalms, remember, in the book of Psalms. He wrote many of them, if not most of them, in, um, and, and some of them in a minor key. We call them lament psalms. Songs of Lament. And we said at that time, if there's sorrow in your heart and you're having a difficulty finding a way to express this to the Lord, go to one of the Psalms of Lament. Some people have said, given the number of Psalms of Lament in the scripture, not to mention uh, the book of Lamentations, maybe next to the praise team leading worship, we should have the Lament team. You try that out, you know? Thought about this that week or this week, and I thought, I, we wouldn't be able to recruit anybody to the lament team. Hard enough to get them on the praise team, right? The lament team, I think we'll just stick with the praise teams. But Psalms of Lament, many of them in the book of Psalms. And then we have the book of Lamentations. The Apostle Paul ministered with a heavy heart. Uh, he spent three years in Ephesus, longest he spent with any of his church plants. And upon leaving, the book of Acts tells us that he met with his elders and he said to them that he served with all humility and tears. For three years, he said, I did not cease night or day to warn everyone with tears. And then he says in his letter to the Corinthians that out of much distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, he says, I minister to you. Don't ever underestimate the burden that you're pastors carry. Um, we're on the front lines of a lot of lives, and we hear a lot of stories and get insights in a lot, into a lot of anguish and grief and sorrow and tears that are in any congregation. And, and Paul carried that. Jesus carried that as he, as he looked out over Jerusalem 
and uh, with great anguish in his heart and tears for the people. If a pastor or a spiritual leader, elders, deacons, whatever, loses that, that, that burden for the people, uh, maybe it's time to hang it up or at least to uh, ask the Lord to burden their heart again. Hey, here's a fun fact. I'll lighten it up a little bit. Do you know that God keeps our tears in a bottle? Keeps a record of it. I didn't just make this up. Psalm chapter 56 and verse 8. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. I had some fun this week amusing myself, just imagining this warehouse in heaven where you open up the doors and there are shelves and shelves of bottles and this clear liquid inside the bottles. Tears. Tears from all the generations of people who have shed tears and sorrows. Jeremiah's tears are there. Paul's tears are there. Jesus' tears he wept over Jerusalem are in one of those bottles. Your tears are there. My tears are there. God cares enough about what concerns our heart that he, he collects our tears and puts them in a bottle, uh, the psalmist said. You can tell a lot about a person by what makes him or her cry. What causes your tears? Or are you so bottled up in your emotions, you know, you haven't cried in a while? Uh, I, I love that God gives us the book of Lamentations and the weeping prophet Jeremiah gives permission for even men to shed a tear. But what causes your tears? Do you weep because you lost something that gives you pleasure? Do you weep because uh, somebody wounded your selfish pride or you got caught doing something you shouldn't get caught doing? Uh, do you weep because of uh, the crime, the injustice, and the wars that plague our world. Now maybe you're getting closer to something that's worth weeping about. Or do you weep because your sin creates a chasm between you and your creator? Now we're getting closer, right? To that godly sorrow that produces repentance that leads to salvation. Do tears flow down your cheeks when your heart stubbornly rebels against God? Jeremiah looked at the stiffened necks and the hardened hearts and the deafened ears of his people, and it broke his heart. It broke his heart. Psalm 51 and verse 17 records David's uh, confession and his lament when he finally came to terms with his sin with Bathsheba. David says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. It is the job of the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, to convict us of sin. The kind of sorrow that comes to our heart that produces repentance and that leads to salvation. My big takeaway from um, the book of Lamentations is this. Number one, ask God to give you a heart like Jeremiah's that is sensitive to sin, broken over it. Whether you see it in your own life or you see it in the lives of others, it doesn't produce in you a judgmental spirit but a broken spirit 
to see the wickedness in our world today and to see how uh, hearts are becoming not less but more calloused to the things of God. Learn to weep over the things that break God's heart. And embrace sorrow when it leads you to repentance. But don't stay there. Don't, don't stay in a place of despair. Don't, don't get stuck. But use that also as an occasion to remember the Lord's great faithfulness through every season of your life. And that won't be hard to do. Because you look back in the mirror, and like Jeremiah, you got to say, great is thy faithfulness. Great, you know, but for God and his faithfulness, being true to himself and true to his word and true to me as a child of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, where would I be? But for the faithfulness of God. Thanks so much for joining us for today's message, Lamentations, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Ron, as we wrap up our study of the book of Lamentations, is there anything you'd like to discuss further before we move on to the next message in your current series? Brian, I'd like to dive a little deeper into the concept of godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow, because I believe this is a critical point for us to understand as we attempt to grow in our faith. So let's say a person sins and is now sorrowful about it. If one's sorrow over that sin is sorrow toward God in recognition that all sin is first against him and his holiness and is utterly unselfish in its focus, it will, as the Apostle Paul said, lead to real repentance. What is real repentance? Well, it's a change of heart that... uh, Uh, allows a person to turn completely from their sin and turn back to God. Repentance leads to salvation and life, uh, the joyful, abundant, victorious Christian life that God wants all of his children to enjoy. That's the kind of sorrow King David expressed in Psalm 51 and Psalm 32. Uh, Such a person may also agonize over the pain caused to his or her loved ones. That, too, is a godly sorrow. And because it leads to genuine repentance, it leads to life and reconciliation. Conversely, if one's remorse and regret remains selfish and self-centered, being sorrowful that maybe he or she got caught, uh, sorrowful about the consequences that person is facing, a lost job or a lost marriage or some other consequence, well, that kind of sorrow only brings death. So I encourage our listeners today, when you sin, as we all have and will again, Examine the motive behind the sorrow you feel. If it is directed first upward to God and then outward to those you have harmed, that is godly sorrow, and he is faithful to forgive and to restore and to renew a right spirit within you. But if it is directed inward and towards yourself, it will lead to self-pity and self-condemnation and guilt. It can also lead to self-justification, which almost always perpetuates the problem and leads to repetitive and habitual sin. And that, in turn, leads to death. If you're a believer in Christ, uh, you don't forfeit your salvation over this, but until your worldly sorrow becomes godly sorrow, uh, your life in the here and now will be absent of true repentance and, consequently, absent of the true joy that only comes through being in right fellowship with God. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some final thoughts on the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. 
Well, Ron, before we leave, tell us what's coming our way Monday as you continue your teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Brian, our next stop on The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is the book of Ezekiel. Uh, A primary focus of this book is the glory of God. That phrase is repeated over and over, uh, particularly in the early chapters. But Ezekiel also includes prophecies that pertain to God's promises to the nation of Israel, promises about their future hope as well as their millennial blessings uh, when this age comes to an end. It's a fabulous book filled with present-day applications for the people of Israel and for us as well, Brian, because believers in Christ have been grafted into the covenant promises of God that he made to Israel. I'll discuss some of these promises over the next couple of days right here on Something Good Radio. Join us then for Something Good when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Ezekiel, the glory of God. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. God bless and thanks for listening.